people who say that you have to have a balanced life. There's, I don't think there's anything that's a balance of anything. If you're, if you're a small business owner or a large business owner, there will be some things that will take less time and some things that take more time. You have to know what you want out of life. And the way I kind of set our business up is that I determined what my life was going to be like first. I made my business fit it. And so at a certain time of day, I don't care how much money is on the other end of the phone, I turn the phones off. You got to make sure that you don't let anything take your life over because you can have a good business and lose everything else behind it. Hey, this is your host, Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal, where we talk real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned with successful real estate entrepreneurs to help you on your journey to financial freedom. If you find value in this episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend. Lastly, make sure to follow the Financial Freedom Journal Real Estate Investing Group on Facebook. We're building a community that's dedicated to helping you transact your next deal. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal. Today, we have Anthony Griffin on the phone with us, and uh, he's going he's gonna to share with us some of the things that he's doing. Let me give you a quick bio really quick. Um, Anthony Griffin is the founder of Griffin Group LLC, a commercial property investment firm located in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, he's been investing in real estate for over 13 years and years and is also a licensed home builder. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. I see you're repping the A5A in the house. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, um, so would you mind telling, telling some of the subscribers about yourself and kind of what you're, what you're working on, what you're into right now? Just a quick background. Okay. Well, um, I always get asked, how in the world did you become a home builder? And everybody's heard of Hurricane Katrina, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm from Mississippi, so when I was working for state government, I'm an, an ex-government employee, and so when I was working for the state, Katrina basically destroyed all of our coastline, and, and the um, Mississippi Board of Contractors had a basically an emergency call for contractors, so everybody could go through the licensing process. The, the structure was a little bit less than it normally is, and I tried to get my license. But the real reason I became a contractor is because I had a fourplex that I bought and it was the property from hell. Oh, Everything man. that could go wrong went wrong. And I got taken advantage of by so many contractors that knew I was green that I thought about it. After all the money I spent with them, maybe I should become a contractor so I'll understand this process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so you got you definitely gonna have to tell us a little bit about that that uh, that four unit from Hell's. It's uh, funny you mentioned contractors. I talked to so many different investors, um, and everyone when when you when they say who they use for their team or who are the key members of their team, everyone says, "Hey, contractor is a key person." And I I came across that firsthand as well. Um, I had my deal from Hell where I got screwed by contractors. I actually made a video about it for for those of you who are listening. Uh, you can see the you know go to my YouTube channel and you'll see the. 10 tips for, you know, to help you not get screwed over by contractors. It's, it's phrased, it's worded somehow like that, but uh, I made a video about it because I got screwed over myself. So please tell us about your, please tell us about your four unit and uh, how that went, that, that, uh, that whole four unit from hell. Well, you ever seen a property that it, it calls your name, 
But you look at it and think you should have your head examined for wanting to be involved. <laughs> this one was a fourplex that somebody who was a friend of ours who kind of mentored me into getting into investing in the beginning. I don't even know why he didn't buy it because it really, after all was said and done, it became a slam dunk property. But on the outside, it was the unit, and I'll make a, a visual description of it so everybody can see it in their heads. It's boarded up. It has graffiti on every side of it. And I'm talking about from top to bottom, it's covered in graffiti. Uh, and, and literally, whenever you buy a property, you should look inside all of the units. Even if they're boarded up, pull them open and go and look inside because you'd be surprised what's in the ones you don't look at. Well, that's, that's, where the, that's where the dead bodies are at. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but it was real close. There, the two top units, and I'm not making this up, they had feces smeared on the walls and the person who ever did it literally did it with their hand because you could see the handprints. The two bottom units, after we bought the building, we pried them open and there was so much stuff growing and moving around in this building that literally the carpet was moving. That's disgusting. Oh, it was horrible. It was one of those kind of things you want a tetanus shot after you open up and touch stuff. And we kept this thing nine months. And I thought I was a little of a do-it-yourselfer, and I found out I wasn't at the time because there was so much stuff. It was kind of like a mosquito on a fat guy. You don't know where to start. <laughs> and so literally nine months just crept on by, and we finally got to a point where we couldn't do it by ourselves anymore, so we hired some contractors. And everybody knows the, the story of the Jack Leg contractor. The guy who rides around all his tools in the back of the truck, you know, doesn't look like he ever takes anything out of his truck. And I did handshake deals. First, first lesson, always get a contract so you know what you're paying for. Handshake deals, paid for work that wasn't finished because I thought it was almost finished. And it was just one thing after another. And then what those guys didn't beat me out of, the neighborhood people beat me out of because I didn't realize when I bought it, it was directly next to a crack house. <laughs> 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 so literally at three o'clock in the morning, the neighbor would come and say, Mr. Griffin, they broke in your place again. Jeez. And it turns out the, the story does have a silver lining though. One, I got my contractor's license and I learned how to build houses and properly do construction from this thing. And I made $16,000 after it was all said and done. So it wasn't a total mess up, but it was real close to one. Hey, so that's, that's okay. So I got to unpack that a little bit. Well, the first thing, very first, um, a lot of people want to take, um, a lot of people are so scared to take risks. They would look at something, just like you said, they would approach a property like that and say, there's no way I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to do anything. But I mean, I think that you are a perfect example of how you can take something like that, take a bunch of losses on a small project, and then turn it into a big lesson learned and a big win for yourself. I think that's that's awesome. Um, so you took this, you took this beat down, broken down house. Um, you got your hands dirty, like probably disgustingly dirty. <laughs> you, you know, learned uh, took your lumps, learned learned everything, basically cut your teeth on this property. And, you know, 
a lot of people want to learn exactly how to do that, but it probably cost you. I mean, how, how much do you think you were, you were in that for? I, I can almost guarantee you less than the cost of a college tuition, huh? Oh, look, Dan, this whole property was bought for $25,000. And we had a, a four unit that would have gotten $2,000 a month rent. And, and, and that's literally, I was only in it for 65000 including all my expenses. And somebody came along and bought it before I even rented it. And that's what I'm talking about. Like you, you find something, you add value to it and you did it, you did it, you learned, uh, you took your lumps and you learned from a smaller project and it cost you less than the cost of a tuition uh, at college. I think that's, that's phenomenal. That's a great deal. Uh, so what are some of the big things that you learned or you took away from that project that helped you, you know, uh, catapult to where you are now? The, the biggest advice I can give your audience is know your numbers. If the numbers don't make sense, the property will never make money. And I know a lot of people who have fudged deals to make the numbers kind of fit because they just were in, they were in love with being in love with a property. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete they want, sense. They want to be an investor so bad that any deal would have been a good deal. And if the numbers are right, like this property, was appraised for, I think, $110,000 and I bought it for twenty five. So those numbers worked all day long and the cash flow worked all day long. If it doesn't make money, if you have to feed an investment every month, it's a bad investment. And it's probably going to stay a bad investment. But if they make money from day one, you can almost pull yourself from under it, even if it doesn't go smoothly. You can either hold on to it and rent it and get your money back right, or you can sell it and make more than you put into it. But the best advice I can give you is if it doesn't make sense on a piece of paper, if you can't write it out on a napkin in five minutes, it's over your head. Leave that one alone until you find it better. And there yeah. are a ton of them out there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. They're harder to find right now, and especially to make the numbers work, but you're 100% right, man. If the numbers don't work, then it's probably something you probably shouldn't do. So um, how did you find that deal? How did you go about finding that, and financing that deal? Now, that one, um, this is one of those where the stars align, and, you know, they say the deal of the century is every Monday. <laughs> this one was a family friend who went to church with us who was an investor, and he actually turned it down, which I don't understand because he was the, basically the person who gave me a formula, and I'll share the formula with you and email it to you so you can show your uh, listeners. But he gave us a formula, basically, how to just on, on a napkin do the numbers, and if it doesn't match, in five minutes, you know this is not a good property. And he turned it down. Um, and it just so happened, turns out, that <clears throat> the guy who offered me financing for it was a frat brother. <laughs> and he knew that with the numbers on it that I was putting up as opposed to buying it and fixing it up and what it appraised for, he said, yeah, that's probably going to be a good deal. And even if I had to take it from you, the bank would still get their money back plus some. Yeah. So, so, uh, I know you said you're going to email this to me, but uh, for, for the guys that uh, I can't get this out, out to or the guys that are listening to this on podcast, can you give us a brief description of kind of what that calculation looks like as far as, you know, the five-minute deal breakdown or the five-minute deal analysis, if you will? Yeah, give me just a second. I'll grab it here, and then I'll, I'll walk them through it. Uh, you got it on the paper. <laughs> just just oh, a brief, yeah. just a brief, like, you know, three-minute, three-minute, just so somebody can take some of uh, the meat and potatoes away from it. 
Okay. Um, basically, it's saying that if a property appraises, let's say, for eighty-five thousand, and after you fix it up, it's worth one hundred and twenty-five. Properties in the area they rent for five hundred a month, and you want to purchase it for fifty-five thousand. It's currently vacant. It's going to need fifteen thousand to rehab, so you'll be all in at seven. This is the, the example that I used when I wrote this up from where my friend showed it to me. Mm -hmm. He said, if your financing is at uh, four units rent is five hundred a month, so that's two thousand in gross income. Your seventy thousand that you're going to finance if you do it at fifteen years for six and a half percent interest, and that was high. That's like hard money interest. Uh, you'd be looking at six hundred nine seventy eight a month. Taxes be roughly about one hundred twenty five a month or fifteen hundred a year. Your insurance is about sixty a month or seven twenty a year. For maintenance and vacancy, always told me do twenty five percent. So on this one, basically, you're taking one unit away from it, uh, and that would be five hundred a month. So your projected net income would be seven hundred five dollars and twenty two uh, cents a month. And if you didn't take any capital out of it, you could pay it off in eight years. And so he told me, he said, if you can pay it off in 10 or less, it's probably a good investment to look at. Nice. I, I definitely agree. So essentially, uh, you take, you find the ARV, find out, you know, what, uh, what the place is going to rent for, um, find out what you can buy it for, obviously. And then uh, you put, you calculate your expenses. I, I use 25% as well. I, I put, I usually put a uh, 10% for, I include property management though. So I do like 10% property management, 10% uh, vacancy, 5% repairs. And sometimes I, I throw in 3% for CapEx or something like that uh, for, mm -hmm. for my expen uh, expenses, you know, then add up my pity, my principal interest tax and insurance, add those two together, subtract from whatever the, the total gross monthly rent is. And then just like you said, I, I calculate my cash on cash return from there and see, Hey, it, did I, did I, am I, how long is it taking me to to make my money back, right? So usually, right. Uh, usually if I'm in the you know 20 percentile range, then I know it's only going to take me five years to five years to pay you know pay this back or get my money out of the deal, which is which is amazing. So yeah, I definitely agree with that that uh that scenario. That's, that's good stuff. It's it's funny you you mentioned returns because like we remember <laughs> we were talking a minute ago about people who will fudge the numbers to just make a deal work. Mm -hmm. I literally saw investors who were doing a single family house that literally only would have made $25 a month. And we're talking about a 30 year investment for mm. $25 a month and managing the deal themselves and everything. And, and it's so, crazy. It's crazy. You say that because I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big advocate. I, I don't believe in, in single family homes as an investment. Um, I mean, I talked to a lot of people that, that disagree, but for that exact same reason, like there's very, very, very little cash flow in it. And if you have one vacancy, wipes out your cash flow for a year. If you have, you know, one repair, one turnover, the same thing. So that's interesting well, that you say that. Not to mention, what about the tenant you don't get along with? There's always going to be at least one of those. And you've got to be frustrated by somebody for $25. <laughs> you're right you're 100 percent right you're 100 right I, I definitely agree so that's that's crazy so um did the four unit you took your you learned your lessons there it sounds like you you know you made a made a decent profit on it you turned it around you know you cut your teeth on that then it seems like you became a, did you become a contractor right after that or did you go into office spaces after that 
Well, I became a contractor right off of that, right okay. after that. Okay. But okay. I was still a state employee at the time. So literally, when I learned how to build houses, and it was very shortly afterwards, um, I literally was working an eight to five job. And you talk about being Superman. I would go to work at eight o'clock, but I would be on a job site at five in the morning. And I'd be waiting there for the crews to show up, materials to show up so I could sign for stuff. I'd make it to work at 8 o'clock. I'd drive 20 miles to go to work. Then I'd leave my lunch hour, go back out to a job site, make sure everybody was showing up, everything was done. If I need to pay anybody, I would pay anybody. And then I'd go back to work and come back after 5 and clean up the job site and sweep up, pick up stuff. And I did this for like five or six years, every day. And my last state job, and this is the one that made me go out on my own, it was working for the bad boss. Everybody's got one of those stories too. I was doing commercial property for the state, and this is how I got into office property. Uh, my last job was, a, uh, I was a, uh, portfolio manager for the state of Mississippi, we had two and a half million square feet of class A office space that I was responsible for. Jeez. I, drafted, I drafted all their leases, I wrote their budgets, I administered the budgets, and I uh, was over maintenance and janitorial staff. And it wasn't until I went to a meeting of commercial realtors that, you ever been invited to a meeting and when you get up and tell people who you are, you feel like you're the dummy in the room because you're not as experienced as everybody else. Yeah, pretty much every time. Pretty much every time I go to a, a large, large, large uh, investment conference. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy who was over it uh, asked me to introduce myself, and I told him all of the stuff I did. And so everybody starts kind of laughing, you know, amongst themselves. And I asked the guy who invited me, "What's funny?" And he says, "Well, man, I didn't know you had to do all of that stuff." thought you were just doing one of those things. I said, no, I do all of that. I'm the only person here. He said, well, how many people work on your team? I said, two secretaries. And everybody starts laughing again. <laughs> and so now I'm getting a little bit upset because I want to know what's the joke that I'm not in on. And so the guy who was the head of the meeting, his name was Rod Chamley. I'll never forget Mr. Chamley. He's deceased now. But he asked me, he said, son, if you don't mind me asking, how much do you get paid to do all that a year? I said, I made $51,000 a year. And I'm thinking that's hot stuff. And so he giggles a little bit. He says, do you want some advice from some people who've been on this a little bit longer than you? I said, yes, sir. I would love some advice, you know, at this point. And he said, it's Parkway Properties, which is a REIT that used to be located in downtown Jackson. They've now moved to Florida, but they own the other half of downtown. Everything we didn't own, they own. He says, son, that company has a floor full of people that do a piece of what you do. They don't even do all of it. He said, if you will just go to that job and learn everything that they'll let you learn for three years, you can write your own ticket in commercial property. And God has a real funny sense of humor because three years to a week, my boss basically told me that he didn't want me getting up from my desk unless I went to the bathroom. And I was the comptroller. And so shortly after, I left. 
started buying my own property. That is a phenomenal story. That is a phenomenal story from the, even, even backing up to where you were, you know, showing how hard you were hustling, how hard you were, you were just grinding it out to learn something. Cause you knew you wanted something, you knew you wanted, you knew you were working for something greater, right? Um, yeah. You're talking about getting up at five o'clock in the morning, work, go, go into a job site, checking on your contractors, making sure they're good. Then going to your nine to five job break on, the, on your lunch break, going back over there. Then after you finish up your job, go back to the, uh, go back to the job site. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And then after that, um, Get, you know, taking that advice is really good that you, you know, it's really great that you actually took that advice. I, I see a lot of people that want to learn about the business, but they don't want to put forth the effort um, that they need to as far as getting out there, uh, networking and, and kind of taking the advice that other people are giving them. And you took that advice and now, you know, you went and worked for, went and worked for a big firm and, you know, kind of that, I don't know. I, I thought that was just, that was really good. That's a great story. Excellent story. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Okay, so, um, so you did that. Then you shortly went off on your own. And you started buying properties right after that. Um, what kind of properties were you buying from there? Well, we since I've been on my own, we own a um, we own a residential and commercial roofing business now, which is we've taken our home building company and we've narrowed it down to a market that doesn't go away when the economy goes away. And as everybody knows, in two thousand eight, most home builders almost went bankrupt. Yeah. And so it's easier for me to find a roof that needs to be done than it is for a house that needs to be built. So that's one reason we scale that back. And um, since I've been on my own, we bought office property because I had a knack for it because that's what I did. But we're starting to scale back from office and we're looking for multi-family property. And I'll explain the reason why. Um, when you own an office building, the, the cap rate on them is awesome. The cash flow on them is awesome compared to what you have to spend if you get a good deal. The only problem is if you have a tenant that goes dark, they decide to move, they go out of business, whatever the case may be, offices are a lot harder to rent to somebody else because one company might not need as much space, they might need more space, they may not like how the property is laid out. They're a lot more picky than uh, say a person looking for an apartment. They might need building specific specifications and stuff too, right? They might yeah. need like a build out or something. Yeah, and see build outs, <clears throat> I've been fortunate enough that I've lowered my rent a little bit so the tenants would do their own build out. And I hadn't had to pay for build outs because like my last tenant, um, they're a national nonprofit that does mortgage land. They pay $15,000 to have their unit built out. I just had a tenant recently in, in another property that spent $9,000 for a build out. And that would have come out of my cash flow had I had to do it. Um, the difference with multifamily, though, is as long as you keep a property clean and safe, there's always somebody that needs it. Yeah, true. Definitely true. So, the uh, how. So you got an office space because you were already familiar with that market, right? Um, what did what did the first couple office uh, spaces look like as far as uh, what what you uh, the type of properties that you bought and how did you finance those and like what what um, how did you come across those actually? Okay, um, first of all, my investment strategy is always been evaluated. 
whether it had been the four place that we started with or any other property, office, or a little house that we may have bought and gotten rid of, everything we've ever bought has been value-added. And what that means is you're looking for a property that's either suffering from neglect, where you may need some repairs done to it, uh, the management may not be managing it well, you got a lot of vacancies, um, bad leases, rent's not high enough. That's what you call a value-add property. And basically, the, the whole point is to come in and add value on top of what it's already looking like. So every property we've bought has been something that was mismanaged and it needed repairs because they were, a lot of them hadn't been updated in 20 years. And that's the good thing about having a construction company because everything we do is at cost. So we're able to go in at a bare minimum cost to have any of those upgrades done. And being a home builder by trade, I've got access to all of the different trades that will do everything for us. Okay. All right. So, so what did, what was the first one actually? So can you, can you describe like the first one, maybe go down, go over some of the numbers or something like that? Um, yeah, as far as yeah. I, I, I've got one office building. This one, to me is one of my pride and joy ones because the deal, I really worked this deal to, I worked it into the ground actually. Um, this is a 4,300 square foot office building. It was originally appraised, well it was originally for sale for 250, 250,000. It was a bank owned repo, the bank had it for three years. And according to the realtor uh, who had me come out and look at it, they literally for three years had not had one single person come look at it. Jeez. So that was easy for you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a real spiritual guy, Dan. Uh, so when somebody tells me, you know, that there's something being held for you and it's just waiting on you to come and, and find it, this is one of those deals. And I'll explain why I said that. This deal had been sitting up for three years. Nobody would come look at it. And literally, it was a bank repo. They were a year from having to just liquidate it off the books. So that means that they they were negotiating like it was on fire. Hmm. And so I thought two fifty was a good enough price. I could probably afford to get a loan for it. This is really how I came up with how I bought it. I said that's not that expensive. Maybe I can get a bank loan for it. So I went to look at it, and it needed a roof on it, which is a flat TPO roof. Oh man, that was. A thousand dollar expense by itself yeah um it had been leaking for three years mm. it only had one tenant in it it's a two-tenant building it had one tenant in it that actually had been there for 10 years and they were paying all of the debt service so it actually made money wow <laughs> and, and the, the funniest thing and they were in the smallest unit the biggest unit was the one that needed repairs and it just basically needed somebody to go in and tear everything out and put it back clean. That's all. We did new floor, new paint. We had a drop ceiling. We replaced a bunch of it because it was water damage. And we replaced a lot of ballast and our fluorescent bulbs because they had water leaking in. Other than that, that's all we had to do to it. And we turned around. I think it took me from buying that building it took me about a year to get the other side leased out. But we took a building that the bank wanted 250 for, and we negotiated it down to 107000 
Nice. <laughs> and it, it came with debt service already paid by the, the original tenant, and we still were getting about $500 cash flow with the one tenant. So when we moved the other side, it was a real positive cash flow. And this is another weird story. Um, when I went to get this this building, first thing I did is I did not. I just left the state, didn't have a job other than I was going to become a professional investor. Every bank in town told me, "Well, we're not going to give you the money. You don't have a job." And so I said, "Okay, well." Prayed about it for a while, and I said, "Well, I need thirty percent down to get this building, which is about thirty thousand dollars." And I said, "I have no idea where I'm gonna come up with this money." And something told me, "Well, I know what the something was, but it told God told me, he said, well, your retirement is sitting there waiting.' And of course, if you work twenty years and you leave early, the last thing you want to do is go collect your retirement <laughs> just in case you might want to go back." So, <laughs> I went and, and looked at my retirement and it was $60,000 sitting there. And I didn't want to go get it, but I was obedient and I went and did it. And the lady told me, she said, well, it takes 30 days to release pay. And I said, okay, well, maybe that'll be enough to stop me from doing it. <laughs> it showed up in seven days. Jeez. So I deposited it in the bank. I'm still negotiating with the bank that's got it for sale. And uh, I went and deposited in a certain bank. Matter of fact, the one who gave me the money for the fourplex. And I put 60 grand in their bank account. And their loan officer, I wish I knew his name so I could put him on front. But he told me, he said, well, the loan committee won't give you the money. And I had 60 grand in their bank and all I needed was 107. Yeah. They could have just given me yeah, $46,000. That, that's an unsecured loan. <laughs> that's a, right. It doesn't get any more secure than that. And yeah. the building was already making money. Yeah. So my attorney at the time, he introduced, well, I went to seven banks and they all turned me down. And my attorney at the time told me that I got one more place I want to send you. He said, if they don't give you the money, I'll give you the money. He said, because Properties like that just don't come up very often. Well, this guy gave me the money for it. And long story short, we've had that building eight years and we almost paid off on it. Man. And it's still making money. That's excellent. That's the power of real estate. That's the power of perseverance. That's the power of grit and determination. That is that is an excellent story for you know, for those of you who are out there listening and and you know getting turned by turned down by a bank or two and getting frustrated and you know, just, just listen to how many hoops it took, you know, you to jump through to, to accomplish that deal and how much of a stellar deal it is. Like, I mean, it's still, you're still cash flowing off of your own for eight years and you, you know, you, you pretty much already paid. I mean, debt service was paid off of one tenant. That's, that's crazy. That's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. So, um, yeah, don't if, don't don't lose faith you for you guys heard, out there listening. <laughs> don't lose faith. <laughs> you've ever heard the story? Uh, have you ever heard of the story Acres of Diamonds? Yes, I have. Uh, who who wrote that? I can't I can't think of who wrote it. Um, I, I can't remember who wrote it. But for your audience, I wanna I wanna give them this example to go with that. What you just said. There was a guy who basically he went looking for diamonds, really, and he was. Digging, 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 digging. Nothing ever came up. So 
out of frustration one day, he decided he was going to hang it up, and he sold all his equipment. Well, a guy who bought his equipment ended up going to get somebody to analyze the soil just to see if it really was something there or should he fool with it. Well, long story short, they found out that it was the largest diamond deposit in the United States. And the guy was literally five feet to the left of where it was, but he gave up. So to all of you listening, if somebody turns you down, that's part of the business. And you got to take your lumps and you got to have a little bit of thick skin, but don't give up because the next person you ask, you just got all the no's out of the way. The yes is on the way somewhere. Just stick with it. Phenomenal advice. Phenomenal advice. That's great. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so what are you what are you into now? I know you you mentioned you're trying to get into multifamily. What type of deals are you looking for? I know you're looking for value add, but what type of uh like what what unit mix are we we talking about? That you know what what the price price range is? Are you are you focused on Jackson, Mississippi? Are you trying to go out to the expanding areas? What are you actually looking for for any listeners out there that might be listening that, that might have something that you know that you want? <clears throat> okay, um, well because of my experience, we self manage it. So management's not a problem for us. Um, we are looking for anything five units or better. I like Mississippi because I'm here, but two other markets that I have an interest in are Florida and Texas. Any, any specific parts? Just major cities. Okay. Uh, Texas, then we're looking at <clears throat> Dallas, Houston, and Austin. Because I'm not familiar with a lot of the other parts. Um, in Florida, everything's good. I'll look at anything in Florida. That's a good market regardless. Um, and we're looking million, million five as I care for right now. The one thing I have not done and it's been, it's been offered to me is syndication. And I'm not confident enough on it yet to have somebody else's money. Everything we bought has been ours and we've been the sole owner and we made all the decisions on it. And I'm not confident enough yet to invest somebody else's money. But I've also been told that if you really want to grow your business, you eventually have got to look at the model. Big time, yeah. Definitely agree. Um, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing as well. So I'm jumping in the syndication world as well. Uh, very similar markets. I actually started in Jacksonville. That's where I brought my very, very first investment in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't looked into Dallas yet though, but that's good. That's good stuff. Okay. So, um, so you got your, you got your roofing business. You're also a real estate investor. You're, you're also obviously buying um, office space. You got a couple multifamilies and things like that. Um, but you're also, you're also a family man. You're also, um, you also homeschool your kids as well. So how are you managing, how are you managing all this? Um, how does this, you know, can you give us some, um, pointers on, uh, pointers on managing everything and being, being sex, uh, being successful at everything? Well, you know, you've, you've heard people who say that you have to have a balanced life. There's, I don't think there's anything that's a balance of anything. If you're, if you're a small business owner or a large business owner, there will be some things that will take less time and some things that take more time. You have to know what you want out of life. And the way I kind of set our business up is that I determined what my life was going to be like first. 
I made my business fit it. And so at a certain time of day, I don't care how much money is on the other end of the phone, I turn the phones off. I've seen that way too many times. Um, you just, you got to do what you want done and then make the business fit around it. Yeah, I love that you that you said that. You look, kind of let off with that. Hey, you decided what you wanted out of your life first and then built everything to fit that model, to fit that mold of what you wanted your life to be. And I think that's phenomenal, that deliberate planning, taking that taking that pause for a second and really figuring out, hey, mapping out your life and figuring out how I, how I want to live, what do I want to do um, with, with my life? And then, you know, kind of start to execute the plan from there. So I think that's, uh, that's great. So for any of the listeners out there right now that want to, um, to kind of get where you're at, to, t- to kind of uh, achieve the level of success that you've, you've uh, achieved, uh, what advice, what single piece of advice would you give someone? Go to YouTube University. <laughs> there, there is, I always <laughs> like to tell my, my 17 year old wants to join the business after he graduates from college. And I've told him that real estate is a dumb man's game. You don't have to be the brightest person to do real estate because it is what it is. The numbers tell the story. And if the numbers don't fit, it's not a good product. So I've told him that if you want to join this business, all you got to do is learn how to do the numbers. And if the numbers tell you one thing, stick with it. Never go against it because it never works out if you do. Right. You're spot on, spot on. I've learned so much from YouTube University. For those who are out there listening, uh, check out my YouTube channel. I, I'm on YouTube University. I'm one of the professors there. And uh, I pretty much teach the same thing. I go over my deal breakdowns and things. I share the numbers and, you know, share some property walkthroughs and stuff like that that I've done as well. So uh, I think you're, you're spot on. I've learned a lot from YouTube and listened to, uh, to great people. And that's kind of why I wanted to start this, uh, why, why I started the podcast and put it, putting these interviews on YouTube for, for other people to continue to learn this stuff. I think this is, is really important and it's really eye-opening and it can change lives. It definitely changed lives. Learning, if you can learn from someone else's mistakes, someone else's experiences, then you don't have to, to go through that. That kind of puts you on the, uh, the fast path to, uh, to success, if you will. So um, I think that's right. I think you're right on. I do. I do have one thing I want to add to YouTube University. Don't get, uh, let's see, what's the word, the term I'm looking for? Don't have paralysis of analysis. Analysis of paralysis. Yeah, don't learn, 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 and never execute. Because you got to go out there and do this stuff too. You got to go look at properties and you will get burned eventually. Nobody has ever had 100% success on every project. There's always one that's bitten even the best investor. But you can't learn if you never actually try anything. You're right. You can't, can't learn if you've never been burned. <laughs> you you got to go and put your stuff into practice because I guarantee you there's always that scenario that nobody else knew about. And it happens to every one of us. We all get that different lesson. So you can't learn everything there is learned, but you can't learn unless you go try it either. 100% right. 100% right. 100% agreed. All right, Anthony. So where can uh, my listeners find out more about you? Where can we, if they want to get in contact with you, if they're in the Jackson area and they, they want to look you up, maybe take you out for lunch and kind of pick your brain or something like that, where can, where can uh, we get in contact with you at? You can find me on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn under Anthony Griffin. Um, you can find me on Facebook also. We have two websites. Griffin Group Construction is where I do, do a lot of my rental property things. And the uh, website for our construction company is griffinconstructionandroofing.com. Definitely, definitely. Hey, so uh, everything you just heard there, the, the notes will be right here below, right below the photos. So you can, or at least that, um, that contact information will be right here below the photos. So you can check that out. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, uh, you can find the information in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, obviously it's in the show notes and then also underneath the photo. Um, as always, if you find value in the content we're delivering here, please subscribe to the podcast and make sure to leave us a five-star review. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment with any questions you have and uh, we'll be sure to get back with you. Hey, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing, sharing your wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, this, I know this is, this is a great episode and so many people are going to learn so much, uh, so much information from, from watching this. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Hey, so uh, with that said, this is Dan Wynn signing off.